The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as education and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. While generally safe for work, some language may be considered offensive by more sensitive viewers or listeners. Alright, cans on, mic's up, level's good. You got me over there? Alright, let's roll. This is Booth to Booth, your direct line to the latest in home voiceover production. With your favorite home VO experts throughout the industry, all across the internet, and all around the world. Booth to Booth is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network, NBBN. The focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media, making your media matter. By Booth Stuff, unique VO fashion and swag that's as loud and proud as you are. And by the kind support of our viewers and listeners all around the world via Kofi. Kofi, helping you give back to the creators that help you the most. The session clock is running and all the mics are hot. So let's patch in and get this session started. Here's your host, VO coach, narrator, and producer, Andrew Scott. And hello and welcome back to Booth to Booth. I am your host, Andrew Scott. And today I am going to be speaking with someone who is going to be helping me dig through some very important uh, to us in the VO industry. Uh, recently, some very important topics. I am speaking today with Robert Ciampaglia, and I'm trying to do that justice to my Italian friends. Deep apologies ahead of time, mia culpa. But Robert is an attorney. He is a practicing attorney in Connecticut. Is that correct, Robert? Ah, I got that part right too, but he uh, is a, uh, a lawyer that deals with uh, numerous things, uh, including real estate and uh, workman's compensation. But uh, for our purposes today, he deals with entertainment law. He is a member of SAG-AFTRA as an actor. He is a voice talent himself. And more importantly to us, he has written the number, the Amazon number one bestseller for at least a while, and uh, it is something that all of you should go out, get a copy of, and read because it is voiceover legal. Robert helps people navigate the, at times, very tricky landscape of entertainment law as it deals particularly with voiceover. Robert, thanks so much for joining us today. We got a lot to dig into this morning. Yes, we do. Thanks for having me. Let's start off. Uh, well, and also full disclosure, uh, when I looked up Robert and I'd known of uh, voiceover legal for a while, but when I looked up uh, Robert's information, I saw that face and I went, you look familiar. And then I looked at the name and I went, that name looks familiar. <laughs> and I paused for a second and I pulled up my former client's uh, folder and Robert and I are featured uh, on the same project from 2016, Eric Kaslov's short uh, feature. Her name was Samantha. Turning now to local news, it was one year ago today that the body of 13-year-old Samantha Harris was found near Jefferson Park. The person or persons responsible for the crime have yet to be found. 
Authorities encourage anyone with information to come forward. I was Samantha's both shocked and a little bit delighted to see that you and I have a have a work credit together. A common credit, correct. Yes, yes, exactly. How did you how did you navigate your way into acting and and also uh, VO particularly? So I started uh, VO back in uh, 2005, where really what I did was I just um, I had always wanted to get into acting. Um, I was practicing law, you know, uh, about 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, actually more than that, like 15 years. And um, so I was kind of in the routine, you know, and I was like, you know, uh, I really want to try to live my acting dream, see where it goes. So, so it was I, law, I, it was I, law first. You didn't you didn't go into college for acting and accidentally become a lawyer. Correct. OK, correct. <laughs> Yeah, I went to law school. I, that's what was my plan to go to law school. Um, you know, being practical and uh, oh, I don't, I don't want to be able to, you know, acting is not going to get me anywhere, kind of thing. Right. But I always wanted to try it, so I um, I actually took adult ed classes in voiceover. Okay. And then I, then I realized that I can be practical <laughs> because it's doable. It's you know, you can make actually make some money. Sure. Doing voiceover work, so I I. I I jumped in. I started doing it. I um, took some classes. I did my demo, set up my website, you know, got all my marketing materials together, got my studio together. And um, the first gig that I landed right out of the gate after doing auditions was um, the PBS American Experience. Yeah. Yeah. You were in uh, the the PBS uh, production of Hijacked. On, right. on national public on national public television. We heard the knocks on the door and the purser Abraham rang calling us on the intercom. He told me there are a male and a female hijacker. They demand that you should open the cockpit door, otherwise they will kill and blow up the plane. Correct. Yes. And you Campbell's you count. literally just walked into that. That was your first gig. That was my first gig. Yep. That's not was, that's uh, not a bad for your first time up the bat. <laughs> no, that was pretty cool. It was I went to, to Broadway Sound, you know, in the Thirty Rock. Yeah, where they, that's where they do all the uh, post production for uh, um, Saturday Night Live. Right. So yeah. I was Famously, so yeah. It was pretty cool. To start out that way. I didn't realize that. Uh, I kind of thought that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> you were just. I'm either just this good, or I am the luckiest son of a gun. There. You were also featured on a a, a really kind of famous commercial. Old mom, really? Is this necessary? Happy graduation, sweetie. Should we tell him that? No, no, let him tire out first. Jogger, check out my sweet. How did? How did? Was that just another? Did you find it yourself, or did you get pointed to it by way of an agent, or or, or how did that happen? And what commercial was it for people? Yeah, so it was a Super Bowl commercial back in 2012. Um, okay. Chevy, Chevy Happy Grad. Right. And, so um, millions and millions and millions of eyes on you. And it's still like even this year it was in the featured in the um, greatest commercials, the greatest yeah. commercials on CBS. I, it was that's where I got pointed to it as I, it was uh, oddly enough I wasn't even uh, connecting with you yet because of the Super Bowl. I read one of those articles about some of the greatest commercials in 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 Super Bowl history, and there was that one, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And then a couple weeks later, it was, oh, I got an interview with this guy. I need to. <laughs> It was featured this year as one of the best in that decade. I think there was only a 
two or three or four maybe for the, it is hilarious the, and you were you were great in it you played that deadpan dad exactly perfectly thank you yeah I appreciate no. that. <laughs> yeah and uh, the, w- the way i got that was um that, that was that was your question was i got that through a fellow actor actually i had done a play mm-hmm. with the the woman who played the mom my wife in that uh spot she she and i had done a couple of uh off-broadway plays so she recommended me to the the uh, writer slash director and, and uh i didn't even audition for it i just got got the part and, and uh it, i mean it's a whole story behind that too because it sure. wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a super bowl commercial when it started out right it was they just a, they uh, happened to use it that way well it was supposed to go into a contest for uh, um one of the film festivals in texas i, I think austin oh, I forget. okay but then when uh chevy saw the the commercial they pulled it from that and they they put it into the super bowl contest oh and ended up winning that so then that's how we got out the the super bowl <laughs> so however you never know however you find the gold you know exactly. chevy just looked at this and went now we got different plans for this let's yep. let's set this aside yep yep and then it turned into a sag spot so i got paid you know sag national and so that is that rates. was your inroad into sag was that it was that your path into sag uh, I had just, I had actually just joined before, oh, okay. before that, mm-hmm. um, that was right before the merger. So I had just right. joined after because I had done uh pan, remember that show Pan Am yeah. on ABC. Yeah. I had just done that. And I was, I, so I had to join for that. So, so you went in into after and then the merger happened and boom, there right. you are newly right. minted SAG after Exactly. And I could have joined go. because of that. Cause it happened like right simultaneously, but I was already in, so I didn't have to. I'd have to worry about it. Yeah, or or get re-sponsored or anything like that. Yeah, that's right. fantastic. Well, um, you know, one of the things that is top of everybody's mind, and trust me, viewers and listeners, we are covering it, uh, is, you know, all I've been able to talk about on my properties for about the past three months is artificial intelligence and how it is impacting or potentially impacting uh, the voiceover industry, both by way of people who are in SAG-AFTRA and independent talent. And we will be talking about that a little bit. But, you know, one of the other things, and I did, I am one of your buyers of your book, VoiceOver Legal, and I found it to be just an immense trove of useful information for people all over the VO spectrum. Uh, was it just a natural outgrowth of your law practice that you went, oh, I really should write a book about this? Um, or, or, you know, how did, how did that come about and your motivation for writing the book? So the, the way that it came about it, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny thing because in the law practice, everyone knows me as the actor Yeah. in the voiceover business and the acting business. Everyone knows of me as the lawyer lawyer. <laughs> so when people knew that I was a lawyer, they would, they would, you know, they would ask me questions, you know, uh, should I set up an LLC? Um, you know, uh, this thing happened to me, what should I do? So what I, what I did was I started writing, I wrote all those things down and sure. that's how the book was born. I just, all the, the questions, the frequent questions that I answered over and over again. Plus there was case studies in there too. Mm-hmm. Those are actual case, factual case studies. That's what I found the most valuable was knowing that the information that I was getting was coming from case law. This was something right. that's already been through the machine and has has a legitimate result that that's useful to people. Yep, yep. But it's also those are also real facts too. So those mm-hmm. are also you know those are also people that come to me and ask me you know those are the scenarios that they give me. 
right the, the resolutions so that's where it came it, it came from it came from voice other voiceover voice actors and actors you know that had issues and and that's where i of course i don't use anyone's names you know not, not, i'm not no. breach any confidentiality with anybody right. you know we change we'll tweak the facts a little bit if we have to <laughs> to, to keep people's people you know people anonymous so, right unless some some people actually gave me permission so i think i may have used a couple of people's you know identity in there but that was because they said it was okay right so uh, but that's where the book that's where it came from and that's you know um I'm uh, working on the AI chapter right now, so we start start talking yeah. about it. I'm glad I didn't do it yet because it's changed, it changes so fast. So. Well, and you better hurry up because it's going to change five minutes after you put the final period on the end sentence. It's a, it's a moving target. It's going to stay that way for a while. Yep. Um, and it is, you know, it's available now. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can go to either preview the book, get the book, and and all the associated information? Yeah, sure. They can go to Amazon um, to get the surprise. <laughs> the electronic version or they can go to um uh voiceoverlegal.com and they can get the pdf version or the the paperback is version. there an audiobook version or is there one happening or <laughs> no there's no audiobook. Uh, i'm um, not gonna i'm not gonna say anything about that <laughs> only because of, there's so like all the case studies and things with all the cutouts i think it would be very Confusing. I had to do, yeah, I had to do a book uh, for a large medical nonprofit that was actually back in the day was my very first audiobook, and it was 400 pages of URLs and bullet points and impossible to read things without sounding like you're regurgitating alphabet soup. It was quite, it quite a lift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I'm going to quick do a couple kind of setup questions uh, from my followers and my audience. And then we're going to get to the intellectual rights and good, sure. good information that of course people love to wake up to. Um, my, uh, my user, Brian, uh, B asks, um, he's curious about, uh, your thoughts on typical protections for startup business operations, like liability insurance versus kind of not having liability insurance. What are your thoughts on if you are a new talent, what are some of the minimum legal mechanisms you should should have in place as you start out on your independent vo career so i would definitely i would set up an llc versus okay. doing insurance at the beginning because mm -hmm. the llc will protect your personal assets from your business assets okay right and then with the llc what you could do with an llc when you first start it doesn't matter what your income is it could be a dollar mm -hmm. <laughs> it could be negative dollars it could be right you, know, you could be in the whole five grand with all your demos and your equipment in investments it, it, sure yeah it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. as you start to get more income you can switch over your llc and just designate it to be as for instance an s corp right or c corp you just mm -hmm. follow the form the irs right and switch it so you don't need to worry about having you know some people you'll just go online you'll say oh you should maybe make it 100 grand before you set up an llc which is that's ridiculous in my opinion yes mm -hmm. it's good for taxes right so you switch it over to an s but anyone who's serious about doing voiceovers as a business should treat it as a business so i always yes. tell this story you know like clients will come in they'll ask if they should set up an llc and i say well if there was if you were setting up a pizza parlor and you were coming into me i wouldn't tell you let's see how much pie you sell for the first year <laughs> to determine whether or not you should set up an llc Right. I'm going to tell you, set up your LLC right you know, set up your structure right now. Get your EIN, your um, which is your employment ID number, tax ID number. Yeah. 
get all that, you know, get your bank account, get it all set up. Cause you can only, it's not that it's very inexpensive to do and you can always dissolve it if nothing happens, but right. then you're protecting yourself. That's a very cheap form of insurance. Yeah. That protects your personal assets. Yeah. Now, whether you should get liability insurance, that really depends on if you're going to set up a studio where people are going to be coming in. Yeah. Other talent coming in to your environment, to your property. Right. Cause then you, you would have to either check with your homeowners to make sure that they're covered. Right. Or get, and, get a rider. Or yeah, just get, get just a business say, policy. To, to be clear, not every insurance company will, will back you if you are operating a business in that way and having, a, you know, the liability there, as far as I understand, insurance companies are allowed to judge what liability they're comfortable with in covering. So right. not everybody can suddenly just have somebody come up and use their professional equipment in a designated professional space and be covered. Somebody slips going into your booth, cracks their head. It might be an issue. Exactly. Some, some policies cover home businesses. Some don't. So you right. can find that out. Like, mm -hmm. you know, cause some homeowners policies will cover home-based businesses, mm -hmm. but others won't. Others will exclude that. So you right. will exclude home-based businesses. So then you need to get a rider, either get a rider on your homeowner's policy or just get, get the business policy. Maybe cheaper actually just get a business policy. Yeah. I was business just going to say normal business policy also will protect you from libel and slander, mm. which is another thing that we, that we as voice talent need to worry about sometimes because if you're reading a script that you didn't write and it's yep. libelous or slanderous to, to somebody that mm -hmm. gets sued, you're going to be covered under your, under your business policy. Right. So. And that can happen. Even if you're saying somebody else's words, if yep. the person who is being referenced decides to pursue legal remedy, you as the voice talent, unless you are protected in some way or form, you right. could be brought into that legal action through honestly, no fault of your own. Right. It's, Minus it's, it's, possibly due diligence. It doesn't even, I mean, well, if you do your due diligence, then you'll make sure that your contract covers you to make sure that the producer is going to, you know, uh, defend you if you get sued. If you right. don't do your due diligence, uh, you know, you still may end up getting sued and then mm -hmm. you're going to be on your own. Right. You're going to, you know, to your own devices to try to get out of that litigation. But anyone who, it, it goes for anyone that um, libel and slander goes for anyone, not that just writes the copy but publishes publishes the copy and if you're the one that's you're the one that's publishing the copy by speaking it or putting it and over the, the airwaves that's, so they can that's a point that a lot of talent don't understand independent talent don't often understand the fact that we we often think of ourselves as talent first we might think of ourselves as producer but very few of us actually understand that when you use your voice even at behest of a paying client you are also considered a publisher that You're the one is, that publishes. The, yeah, because, right? yeah, generating a file and handing it off is a form of publishing. Right. So it, it's important that people understand that, that that's, got a, that's got a legal weight attached to it that you need to be aware of as a provider of that service. So, right. um, you know, one of my other, uh, other followers, John Lano, asks... So commercial clients often need audio yesterday, as soon as possible. They, you know, they'll reach out and they say, oh my gosh, I really need this. Um, how do you, my, my user John asks, how do you uh, suggest getting new clients to sign re relatively detailed contracts that actually do perform on the behalf of the voice talent? 
um, without you know turning off the client or pushing them to someone else who's faster and might not ask for all the T's to be crossed and the I's to be dotted. Do you have any thoughts on on the the rapid turn and burn kind of environment that we often find ourselves in uh, versus what we really should be doing for ourselves as providers to protect ourselves contractually and legally? Well, first of all, it depends on what kind of job it is. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a $50 job, I wouldn't worry too much about getting a signed contract. And as long right. as it's in emails, it's fine. Mm-hmm. There's an email exchange as to digital digital paper trails and, count. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the easiest thing to do, though, is just do a digital contract. I mean, you can any signed contract is absolutely legal and binding. Mm-hmm. So you just what I do is we just have I have a little or some of my clients, they have a, a, a template. Sure. A boilerplate kind of. This is, this is what the job's all about. You know, this mm-hmm. is what it's the turnaround. This is how much the pay. And then it says, you know, click this box and you're agreeing to my terms and conditions, which is attached to the contract. Sure. So mm-hmm. you don't have to get, you don't have to have those things. You don't have to hammer them out for every single job. It's right there. That's just right. the, the memo, which is, you know, and the memo just is quick. It just lays out what, what the job's all about, all the, sure. the appropriate terms. Mm-hmm. So that's the easiest way to do it. You know, they right. Just, you know, it's really easy to do a, an e-signed DocuSign or whatever right. service you use, or even Adobe Acrobat now does it automatically. Yeah, exactly. So, you can even have your your signature scanned in there and just hit the button that says "Sign this document" and boom, it's yep, done. Right. It's as easy for them to do as it is for you to generate. Exactly. Yeah. It's really easy. So it shouldn't be that much of a of a hassle. It shouldn't. It doesn't have to be a written. You know. A, and paper or it outside and skin it yeah notarized be. with stamps notarized yeah. exactly yeah, yeah exactly is is there some and this is a question from me uh because i've i've fielded this question myself and again you know full disclosure i'm not a lawyer i don't play one on tv i've only played one with my voice once uh and so i i often uh have to caution people that you know my advice on law and legalities is that of an individual, not somebody who is is on bar or has even read an entire law book? I haven't. But um, non professional, not exactly. Yeah, amateur sport lawyer. You know. um, <laughs> one of the things I think that is, uh, and I, I'm asking you, I don't know if it's a misconception or if it is a, a real thing. And let's clear this up. There are a lot of people that feel that if you make a declaration, if you set out terms of use in some way, shape, or form, that a client or a potential person to hire you doesn't refute, doesn't refuse, that those terms are legally binding. And this comes to play, uh, and and this is going to come to play more in our discussion of AI, um, lines at the bottom of your email footer setting out terms saying this can be done this can't be done things like that use rights and 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 prohibitions is is that accurate to say that if somebody hires you and they've seen that material in communications that they can be legally held to those or is there you know what are you what are your thoughts on that so you still whoever is trying to enforce their contract has to prove that the other side agreed to the terms. You have to prove there was a meeting of the minds. So there was, so, there had to be some active consent to that provision that you are saying is legally binding on your side. 
Well, yeah. I mean, so what would happen is if you go to say you, you bring those emails to court and say, look, this is what it says on the bottom of my form. Mm-hmm. The question to the person would be, did you see these? Right. And if they say yes, okay, it's binding. If they say no, I never uh, yeah, saw if those. If they just claim ignorance, I couldn't see those tiny words on the bottom of your email. Right. Then you're going to have to prove, well, yes, you did. Because look, there's your initials right there. Right? Mm-hmm. And it comes back to the burden comes back to you right. to prove it. So that's why the best thing to do is just have them check off a box or put initials somewhere. Say, I, I agree to my, I agree to your terms and conditions, you know, stated on your website or stated on the bottom of the form or whatever. Right. Just have them initial it or X it off. Some then way, shape or form. Yeah. Because you have to prove, you have to prove that they agreed. And this that's, is, that's yeah, this is straying into that whole TOS and user license agreement world that we all live in now where nobody reads them. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, we, we so often use services on our phone or on the web that says use of this service constitutes acceptance of right. the following laundry list of stuff that nobody reads. And exactly. Yeah, well, there, there, there never was there never was and there never will be, as far as I know, a requirement that you have to read the contract. Right. There never was a requirement in law. You, you're, you're assumed to have read the contract if you sign it. Right. So that bur- that that's your problem. So if you sign a contract that didn't read it under the law, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Yeah. Saying, I, I didn't read it. Well, too mm-hmm. bad. The, the, why'd you sign it? Yeah. You need to read it. Right. And that's, that was, so it's the same thing with this. Like they, they, you're assumed to have read the terms and conditions if you agree to the terms right. and conditions because that's just, that's how the law always was. And it always, you know, it probably will always be. So Yeah. I mean, it's honestly the only way it can in really remain fair. I mean, the burden of responsibility has to lie somewhere. And if you agree, even, even overtly agree, but haven't performed due diligence on your own behalf, the law is going to look at you and essentially give you that. Well, <laughs> kind of, well, I mean, cause how, how would the law, how would it, I don't know how it would work otherwise. It would be like, okay, so you're in here saying you didn't read this contract, but you signed it. So what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) There's your signature there saying you signed, you read it. So therefore that's good enough evidence for for the court. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. The buck has to stop somewhere, you know, and it's at your, it's at your doorstep. Sorry. You know, this is how you play the game. People do raise that defense all the time, but it's, it's, uh, you have to prove you have to uh, there's something goes above and beyond not reading the contract right so you'd have to prove something you know that the con the terms were illegal so Mm -hmm. maybe if those terms of service are illegal they violate a law right then the court would throw it out that's fine so even if you signed it and read it and it was you know the 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 legislator says that you know this is illegal (laughs) right you know it will get tossed out so but you have to do for yourself first as a, as a business person, SAG after or not, you need to be performing due diligence on your own behalf and actually right. investing some time in reading the copy and, you know, reading the, co- re- excuse me, reading the copy. You can tell what I do all day, uh, reading the contract. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's reading the contract is something that you can do to also learn more about this industry. And, you know, you can, it's very surprising that you can often be presented with a contract, even as a non-represented talent, you can be presented with a contract that immediately makes you go, hmm. And you can very often as a talent, get back with that contractor and say, 
uh, look, this provision here, I'm not comfortable with. This provision here, I'm not comfortable with. We either rewrite this or I'm not doing your work. And you'll right. be surprised at how often those contracts will be amended to answer your demands. As talent, I think, particularly independent talent, we're really, really wary of being difficult. Right. Well, you know who really gets raked over the coals in that dynamic? People who aren't willing to be difficult on their own behalf. Well, it's not difficult. You know, I mean, that's what that's the perception, but it's exactly. Not, and not that's what I'm saying. They, they fear right. that perception because I want that contract. I want to build my career. I don't want to be told no again. There's a distinction between the diff, being difficult and just being a good person. Being smart. Person. Yeah. So being smart. Right. So yeah. like if, if you were to go into a session and starts telling the writer what they meant, <laughs> and that, how they should rewrite their copy that's you're being difficult, difficult. Yes, but if, you're just, if you're just if you're just saying look i don't want to give up my rights in perpetuity on this contract let's figure out what the real usage is going to be how are you guys going to use this and let's just put this in the contract that is not being difficult at all because most of the time i would say 90 percent of the time the, the 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 people that you're dealing with at that level of recording you recording you don't even know what's in the contract You're right so they didn't write it some attorney no. wrote it so yeah. if you bring it to their attention they'll everybody oh you know they'll realize that it, it is way bent on their side and you know they'll they're they're willing to make it more fair so and the truth of the matter it. right exactly <laughs> if it just lays there in the dark of a corner you know but um it, it's it's also that we as independent talent need to protect ourselves because again that word in perpetuity means something and right. you know we've got so many instances of someone who did an honest day's work by way of their voice and signed off did a full buyout no rights no residuals and then the next thing you know four years later we've got siri and that person was only paid for a day's work and their material was resold and Apple used it and they have received nothing from right. Apple for that well, that's, usage. That's the AI concern now, but even even if they just re-air it. Sure. That's the that was the, always the concern. You know, that's been the concern forever. Voiceover. Yeah. If they just use it again mm -hmm. five years from now, because the people that recorded it left. <laughs> They're not around anymore. And yeah. the new people that came in listened to the bank and, oh, we like this. And they use it again. Well, let's you use know? that. Let's use that. So that, that happens quite a, quite often. So yeah. That's, that's, that's even, that's even a more, even before you get to the AI issue, that's a, a more common concern. So, mm -hmm. and uh, before we go to the break here, this is just a real quick question. Um, one of my users, MSL asks, uh, they're new to VO and they're, they're wondering about, is it prudent really to go all the way when you're just starting to copyright your brand name, your logo, uh, and, and your other, your other intellectual property that you're going to be offering? Is it really prudent to take those steps and incur those costs? right at the outset of a career that might or might not turn out to be something. So copyright, let's talk about intellectual property. You got yeah. copyright, you got trademark. Copyright um, is for a writing or a recording or a work of a piece, actual piece of art. Yeah, something work. generated. So it would be like your recordings, mm -hmm. right? So that's one. Trademark would be for to protect your, your name and your logo. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So the reason you do those is so that other people can't use them without your permission. So if you're going to come into the business and you're, you're coming up with a, you have a unique trade name or a unique slogan, I don't know, the voice of God. <laughs> well, I think it's, whatever. I think it's been used. I'm going to put a TM and a register up here because make it's it probably, it's probably not, I can look It probably he's not registered, but who knows? So if you wanted to register that name so that other people can't, other talent can't use it, that's the reason to trademark. So mm-hmm. if you're concerned, if you're concerned at all that other talent will be using that name and it will, it will affect your brand. So you'll have to rebrand yourself. Right. Then you should, you should trademark it. Mm-hmm. That's the answer to the question. So um, if you're, so let's just say worst case scenario, you use the voice of God and someone else two years down the road starts to use the voice of God. Is that going to make you have to rebrand? And right. do you care if you right. have to rebrand? Right. Mm-hmm. So if you, if the answer is no, I don't care if I have to rebrand, then you shouldn't trademark it. If the answer is yes, I care. I spent time and effort to brand that. Then you need to trademark it, right? right? And so I, that, that's 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 the that's the answer. And if, it doesn't matter when, right? At, at the beginning of your career, <laughs> at the middle of your career, like it, if you're if you're starting out with that brand name, then you should trademark it, right? At that point, yeah. Right? If it, yeah, if you're if you're really building your brand on a slogan, and you know that you're you're pretty confident that as the future unfolds that's going to be central. It's going to be a tent pole to your entire brand. Yeah. You need to trademark it. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're just using your name, you don't yeah. necessarily need to trade, trademark your name. Right. So. Yeah. What about, well, I tell you what, I'm going to save that until after we come back from this break. This is the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. I'm Andrew Scott. That, of course, is Robert Chiampaglia. We are on Booth to Booth, and we'll be back in just a second. Yes, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Don't go anywhere. Bye-bye. Booth to Booth is brought to you in part by Bootstuff.com, the home of the world's most unique VO casual fashion and swag. You know, this thing that we do is pretty unique. So slap on a Booth Stuff t-shirt that tells the world, or, you know, your cat, that being in a tiny room by yourself is where you truly belong. Shirts, hats, pants, mugs, and more. Well, not a lot more. Actually, that's pretty much it. Anyway, Booth Stuff is the one and only home for VO-centric swag that lets the world know what you do with that mouth of yours. So head on over to BoothStuff.com and get something that shows the world who you are and what you love to do. BoothStuff.com. Loud and proud. And hello and welcome back to Booth to Booth. I am Andrew Scott, and I am talking with the author of the book Voice Over Legal, Robert Chiampaglia, and a fellow actor and a fellow voice talent. And uh, before we get to the gigantic robot elephant in the room, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about copyright and uh, how it really uh, pertains to voiceover artists, voice talents, and voice producers. When we jumped to the break, we were talking about trademarking. And uh, Robert, you said that you had some uh, some wisdom that you wanted to share about copyright, so. Yes, yes. So copyright is also, uh, first of all, 
the producer, the writer, are going to own the copyright to the script. Right. Right. So you're not going to worry about that end of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to worry about copyright from our end to protect us. So mm-hmm. your, every sound recording that you recorded to, in your studio, you can copyright those recordings. Those recordings mm-hmm. belong to you. The second that you record them, it doesn't matter if the script is copyrighted by somebody else. The recording belongs to you. Right. So this is key to, to how um, what I represented Bev standing versus TikTok mm. in her case. Which, by the way, people, go look that up. This is key because what we did in that case was since there was no contract assigning who owns the copyright. Right. So if you have a contract that you sign with a client, they say they own the copyright. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. But if you reserve the right to ownership in the contract mm-hmm. of your recording of your recording or yeah. if there's no contract at all you own the copyright so with in bev's case she didn't have a contract she never written contract mm-hmm. so tiktok began using her her recordings so what we were able to do is just we registered those recordings with the Boom. copyright office and then that's now copyright infringement and it's a strict liability law you don't have to prove right all you have to prove is who registered it right that's that's it if it's if it's registered with the copyright office then you can file an infringement case so if there's an incidence where you're not paid for uh, for example and there's no contract assigning the the copyrights you can copyright the file you still can yeah file an infringement case against the non-payer you know, you can ask for a lot more than, uh, probably than what you're, you're going to get paid in the first place. In court. Potentially, yeah. And the other thing is um, that even even if there is a provision in a contract that says the copyrights are assigned the client, what mm-hmm. I put in there is I say that the assignment will be effective upon payment. Ah. And then you're still on the copyrights until they pay. Up until such time as so, you get the money. Right. Yeah. So, so that's another way to protect yourself because they're not going to own they're not going to own their file, the files that they want to own. Right. And they think that they own now, until they pay you. To be clear, you are talking about a, uh, on an individual basis actually recording a copyright, registering a copyright for something. I imagine this can't be done uh, post hoc. This can't be done retroactively after a certain period of time because, you know, a lot of us live in a full buyout, no rights, no royalties world. Can you clarify? that do we have de facto copyright coverage of our recordings or do we have to yeah. take some action yes let me clarify so uh, you own the recording as soon as you hit record on your on your computer and as soon as you hit save okay it's copyrighted mm-hmm. okay in order to sue for infringement however u.s law says you have to register with the copyright office mm-hmm. so you have to you have to register that you have to send a copy of that recording into the copyright.gov, fill mm-hmm. out the form, pay the fee. Then you can sue for infringement, right? Mm-hmm. So if it was a published, if it was something that was published, something that's you know put on uh, TV, radio, it YouTube. says you have ni- yeah. 90 days, 90 days, you're, you're, what the law says, okay. 90 days from pub- publication that you have to register it. But if you own the file, and it was your file because there was no contract. Mm-hmm. You can you can register at any any time, right? Because you're just registering. You already own the copyright, right? So you can register it, and then bring your action 
and you can't bring your action until it's actually registered. Right. Supreme court case. So you have to wait until, until they actually issue the certificate saying that it's, it's uh, gone through and it was registered. So there really isn't a time limit, especially if it's unpublished, if it's unpublished. And I would say, I would, I, I always argue, and I, the law is if it's only on YouTube or something like that, that's not published. Okay. It, has to, that's it, has to, it would be like a book. Right. That's what they're talking about or an album. That's what they're talking mm-hmm. about for publication. Right. That, you know, that the, their client published it. Basically, mm-hmm. so if it was an audio book and it was released, that's public. That's data publication. Sure. So, but you can still even after the even after it's published, if there was no contract allocating who owns the copyright, the client can still you as the client can still copyright that. Yeah, file. you still got your hands on the steering wheel in some way, shape, or form. Because you own it, right? Yeah. You own it. So you well, have to and that's just that ownership. We all. I think we all still operate under this misconception that digital things aren't real, that digital right. things aren't actual things and or property and or intellectual property. And as you said, as soon as you hit render, as soon as you hit record, you're actually generating a a real thing. Its tangibility isn't in question. Its right. creation and its and its provenance is. The sound recording is yours. It's, it's, think about it this way, because this is how copyright law evolved. A uh, record company hires uh, or signs an act, signs a band, right? The band wrote a whole bunch of songs. They bring the band into the studio to record all their songs. Mm-hmm. The recordings belong to the recording studio. Right. Whoever recorded them, the masters. Mm-hmm. Versus the, the actual music. Right belongs yeah. to the artists yep. unless they unless sign, they sign, away, sign away their rights saying, yeah saying they give up their publication rights but there, there's there's two it's two separate copyrights it's mm-hmm. the actual the actual creative creative song drafting and then the actual recording sound recording so the masters belong to the studio always right because they you know they the idea is that they paid for them they paid for right. the recordings so they mm-hmm. them. and the music the actual Whatever came out of the artist's brain, the creative right? Part, that belongs. That belongs to them. So yeah, that this this goes down to this whole thing of you know people people don't understand. And to be clear, music rights and publishing rights and um, you know all that stuff. Talk about uh, a deep deep field of weeds for people to get into. Uh, yeah, because, you it's, know, it's obviously more complicated. Right. Sorry, you know, you've sorry. got mechanical rights, reproduction rights, broadcast rights, all that. But people tend to still be operating under this misapprehension that musicians make money from their recordings that that era is pretty well gone now musicians typically make money on touring and on their merchandise things that they sell that they manufacture but they don't own their recordings sometimes they don't even own their published music anymore uh, because they'll sell the publishing rights in order to get a better uh, deal with the studio and it's a, a lot of mess but right I yeah, think, those are that's different. So to, to, just to compare yeah. it to voiceover, the copy is like the song. Mm-hmm. So the copy is right. You know, that came out of the writer's mind. The recording from your computer is like the master. Mm-hmm. Just to make it easy, right? It's a lot easier. Voiceover is a lot less complicated. There's you very know, you true. Worry about <laughs> you don't have to worry about selling your publication rights. And, you know, all, 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 yeah. all of those things. But what you do is you do assign your recording mm-hmm. to the client. That's what it says. If, if you're assigning, if you're assigning ownership or your copyright, 
in the contract. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're signing your rights to the recording that you made in your studio to right. your client. So you're giving up your rights to it. Well, this is all, all the more reason to know a good lawyer like you. But <laughs> Well, it's important, it's important for AI, too. That's why I mentioned it. And that's exactly the pile of weeds we're heading into right now. Um, you were recently featured on my VO compatriot Paul Schmidt's show. And Paul recently featured a an Irish voice talent. I hope to be speaking to them uh, as well sometime in the near future because their story is both quietly fascinating and quietly horrific and not so quietly horrific if i'm being honest um they this this voice talent was pointed to a generative ai platform that is doing text to speech and their their friend their fellow vo worker went so you sold your voice to an artificial intelligence platform and they went uh no i didn't and they they followed the link they went they heard the voice and it was, I won't stay unmistakably because that's a term that has some weight in the legal world, but it sounded very, 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 very underlined, very close to their voice. Right. And it was very interesting too, that this voice talent is a, a dark haired Irish young woman. The stock photography image that this platform used was a admittedly lovely silver gray-haired Asian woman. And the description (laughs) underneath there said um, something to the effect of neutral, middle, young Irish. And there's no question to anybody's even remotely educated ears that this woman, this VO provider, had their voice used for this product without their informed consent or just without their without being informed of it consent is a separate topic that i'm sure that we're going to delve into um robert i don't think that it's unreasonable for me to say that this is the beginning of a wave that uh is going to be very uncomfortable what i've been telling people is that voiceover people particularly independent voice talent uh but also sag after a represented people voiceover artists have the um, uncomfortable distinction of being some of the very first canaries in the coal mine when it comes to generative AI. I'm just going to open it up thoughts. What is going on? Where are we headed with this? And where, what are the legal, what are the legal consequences or, and what are some of the legal protections we can start taking? Sure. Well, so this is the end result (laughs) that we're seeing now because this has been happening for years and years and years where voice talent have been recording mm-hmm. their voices. Yeah. So this is like the third or fourth generation of, of this. So way, way back. I was, I was the director for the, um, the sessions for the Bixby voice for Samsung. Yeah. So I, I still, I still got my Bixby right here. Yep. That that's, I directed that, that talent. So, um, the way that those were made, were done, the way that those voices were captured um, for AI. Well, first of all, AI is a very broad term. So yes. Let's yeah. just let's just say cloned voices or synthetic voice. Sure. That's, that's what it is for. That's what it is mm-hmm. for voiceover. Because if you use the term AI 
demean voiceover to somebody that's in the AI field, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. So, they're like, what? Well, AI? That's it's like it's saying the term machine. It's, yeah, it's like saying the term math. Math means a lot of things and a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So we, we, I think we are headed into a time, like you indicate, where we need to start speaking specifically and correctly yeah. about things. So synthetic voice, that's the term that I like mm -hmm. to use, or clone voice. But back when they did Bixby, what they used to, what, what that was the kind of the beginning stages, with, or Siri. They would hire a talent to go into the studio for months and record right. Pages and pages and yeah. pages and pages for four hours a day of gibberish. It was really mm -hmm. gibberish. Yeah, it was honestly, sentences. it was alphabet soup kind of stuff, word salad stuff. Yep, and they would do it different, different emotions. Sure, because they were harvesting, happy, they were harvesting phonemes and sound. Right. They weren't exactly. doing anything contextual yet. Exactly. So that was kind of the beginning of the way it started. And then talent, would, they would get paid a lot of money, you know, six figures, whatever. <laughs> they sure. paid a lot of money to be the voice. Then... After that, once they figured out how to pull all those sounds together, like you said, yeah, the, the big four decided they were going to create their own banks of voices. The big four, Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah. Right. Those those guys decided we're going to we got to do this. We got to do these AI voices. We got to do synthetic voices. So what they did was they put stuff up on Craigslist <laughs> saying, hey, how'd you like to spend a day for $50 gift card? And you and they still would bring see them in those. <laughs> you still see those on Craigslist today, right? So they brought them into the studio. They, you know, they recorded days where they give them the fifty bucks, and that was it, right? So, right. Then they realized, you know, these voices don't really sound that good. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's garbage in, garbage out. So they right. said, we need to start hiring voice talent for this. So that's when it. Went to the next generation. It was around, you know, I would say 2019, 2020. I was just going to say, yeah, it was about five or six years ago is when the shift really happened. And they went, oh, we actually need to use some people who sound like they know what they're doing. Exactly. So they would <laughs> Literally make, sound like, yeah. So they, yeah, they so they get all the emotions correct and they get the performance correct. So they would pay, you know, two to five grand a job. Mm -hmm. Voice Town were doing the same thing, reading, you know. But they were they were signing contracts, signing away all, of the, all their rights to their copyrights because you know what that two, it's gonna be used. Yeah, two grand to an independent voice talent sounds like a payday and right. they're not going to kick up a lot of dust and the, i mean one of the things that i understand too is that a lot of these even from the big four they were not the name on the buying contract Correct. it was second right. third Correct. generation contractor who went Correct. out and got this voice did the pay the person had no idea they were doing work for Apple or Microsoft. They were doing work for, you know, voice recognition.co.uk or something like that and, well, and didn't so, realize their stuff was going any further. So there's two there was two factions. So yes, Microsoft, Apple, they were hiring outside studios. Mm -hmm. Some of them were in the US, a lot of them were out in, in China. Right. Some of them were in Europe. So some of the contracts would say stuff like I think this was the earlier ones, like like Bev Standing's contract. You're right. going to be doing reading for translation for Chinese to English. Yeah. Like that's what the contract would say. Yeah. Then they, they switched though. Then the studios were being more explicit saying, you are recording for Microsoft. You are giving up all your rights. This is going to be used by third parties in the future for synthetic voices. You'll be saying stuff that you don't agree with possibly. You'll be using this for commercials. Like it would spell it all out right. Right, in the contracts. For the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. So 
I called those contracts. I, I was reviewing all the, all the different ones for all the different, <laughs> all right. the different, all, I, yeah, all the I different bet. generations. So I called those contracts career suicide contracts. That's what I was yeah. telling like, my clients. You're committing career suicide by signing this because you don't know where this is. We still don't know where this is being used. Like right? companies don't know where this stuff is going to be used. So there's no crystal ball to know where this is going to go in the future. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to be competing against yourself with your own voice. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's a so sick reality I, to it. Yeah. I would always recommend don't sign this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I remember some, most of the time the talent did sometimes, most of the time they didn't sign. Sometimes they did sign. I remember one time we did a negotiation with one of these companies and uh, I did a negotiation with one of these companies in China mm-hmm. that where the client really, they really wanted to do it. They, you know, they, they, they wanted, but they wanted more money for it. So we asked for like 10 grand, I think. And I remember the response email started out with the words, ha ha. <laughs> oh, wow. Ha ha. We will never Is pay that... that amount of money. Like, that's what it said. yeah. Does so... that translate in Chinese? Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, my my question here then is is this we're all going to have to be dealing with this now yes we just are there is yes. as i often say uh to to my listeners and my followers uh humankind has a really terrible track record of getting genies back into bottles and yeah, AI, um, AI is here to stay it, it is. is and yeah. we're we're uh, we're in this place now where we are all having to get comfortable with the adapt or die model of doing business and uh you know we're also as talents and producers trying to find ways to possibly um work with artificial intelligence not necessarily synthetic voices but you know i am starting to use certain artificial intelligence tools in creating content and and helping me with some of my writing um and and i find it i it's got utility i'm not gonna lie and say it doesn't and i'm gonna say it in the same way that you know bixby on my phone has utility for me right um, yes. I think it would be I think it would be foolish and uh, disingenuous to say otherwise, no matter what I do with my voice for a living. Right. But in this struggle to find ways to coexist with Skynet, as it were, um, and I, I, I almost wore my Skynet T-shirt today, but I decided to buy <laughs> my own brand. Um, what are some things that we can do, Robert, that will help act as a bork against misuse, um, uh, against being taken advantage of? What are some of your recommendations here? Sure, sure. Yeah, before I answer that question, I want to give a little more background. Please. Because it's, re- it's relevant to the answer to this question. So mm-hmm. it's still illegal. It always was illegal, and it still is illegal for someone to take your voice without your permission right. and use it. Mm-hmm. Be a synthetic voice, your real voice. That you're protected by likeness laws. So that is illegal. Can you speak to what likeness law is so people have a a slight understanding of that? Yes. It's illegal to use your likeness for commercial purposes or any purpose without your permission. And it's not just your visage. visage, Your likeness is also your voice. Your voice. Your voice and your your picture. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that's back from New York law. I studied this in law school. (laughs) Like from years and years and years ago, this, this came up from photographers taking pictures of people on the street and putting right. them on you know, magazine covers, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where the likeness law started. So that is still legal. So when you see people coming out saying 
my voice was used without my permission. I, I don't know how this got on this bank, whatever, whatever. Right. I, I can I can pretty much bet they did a job for one of those big four. Mm-hmm. They signed away their rights. I right. I can bet that. Right. If they didn't, if they did it one under the old generation where there was no contract or anything like that, mm-hmm. you, you could you could sue. You there's still a lawsuit. You can sue them. Right. So that's the first thing that talent want to check if they see their voice being used on uh, you know some little voice bank somewhere. Did you do any AI jobs? <laughs> Grab right. that contract and read it. Yeah. All right. That's number one. So they're, they're, you don't really have to worry too much about people, even though you only need one to three minutes now right. of a sample of your voice to take it and use it. You don't really have to worry too much about people doing that without your permission because it's illegal. Right. So you have you have you have recourse. Mm-hmm. You can come to me. You can come to it. You know, somebody that does copyright infringement. Somebody, you know, an attorney that's an entertainment attorney that understands AI. You can bring a lawsuit. You can get the, get it removed. Mm-hmm. Get the voice removed. You know, by cease and desist because it's illegal. Right. So what what voice talent? What we're seeing now is we're starting to see. I'm starting to see that these stories, but it's because of people that sign those contracts. Blindly, so just get they the work. Understand what they're signing. Yeah, they, yeah. So now, boom. Wait a minute. Well, that's because they didn't think about it at the time. Mm-hmm. The consequences now. So right. You got to dig deeper on these things. When you start seeing these things, dig, dig deeper to see what the source is. Because if the source is not a contract that you signed your rights away on, you still have a case. You could still. That's what Bev's standing. That's her was her case. Right. That was her exact case. So, all right. That's number one. So. How do you protect yourself? You, I would put in all your contracts now. So something that says that the, the, the job is only, the recording is only for this particular job. Mm-hmm. You can't use it for other things. You can't sell it to third parties. And you can even mention that you can't use it for cloned voices, synthetic voices, machine learning. And, you know, you spell it out. So right. the National Association of Voiceover Artists has a writer. What do you think wrote it? <laughs> so, I gotta. I, I, I have so. to make. I have to make a confession to you, counselor. Uh, I offer a uh, a paragraph almost uh, to put in the bottom of contracts on my Discord server that was Great. written by Chat GTP. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. It. You know what? And actually, I'll send it to you to maybe give give it a bulletproof eye. But, they probably um, stole it from my writer. Yeah, that could very well be. And you know what? I'd take that as a compliment. Where are you? But um, yeah, no, so it, please fine. continue on. Yeah. So, I mean, that writer covers everything that you say something that says them. you can't use this for generative AI purposes. It can right. only be used for the thing that you're hiring me for now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Can't be used for any other purpose mm-hmm. other than, than spell it out this right. job you know, this period of time, whatever. Um, you also, if you wanted to, you can throw something in there saying, cause there's a, there's a big, another, I saw another big uh, posting, mm-hmm. a couple of postings uh, by audiobook narrators mm-hmm. where they had signed a contract. I forget the name of the company, but now it's, it's um, Spotify owned, bought it out. And that's yeah. Came to light. Find away voices. Find away voices. Yes. Yeah. There was a clause in there saying that the, the, the talent were, uh, by doing the job and signing the contract, allowing machine learning, yeah, with their you know with their voices, and you can throw it in there in the contract. But machine learning is different. Machine yes. learning is not the same 
as generative clone, AI. Yeah. Right. Cloned voices are synthetic because all, all machine learning is where one where one computer is just listening to how um, humans speak naturally mm-hmm. and yeah. teaching another computer. Yeah. Uh, it is not actually using so. the voice to generate another voice. It is using a voice that it's listening to, to learn about speech patterns and then teach another computer to do something different. It is not taking the bits and bytes and repurposing them in whole or toto in order to generate something else. Correct. So those yeah. and that things happens behind the scenes. So those things right. that happens, that's happening right now as we mm-hmm. speak. Yes. The, the internet's being yeah. scoured, YouTube yep. being scoured, and, and that that the other machines are learning how humans, how their speech patterns are, yeah. and how they speak, and emotions, and all that yeah. stuff. So sleep, sleep tight, folks. <laughs> and but it's just like it's just like chat. GPT or yeah. Jasper, that's how those work. Yeah, it's you know, invisible it, it to most scours, of us most of the time until you look. Right, it scours yeah. the internet. It comes up with a, a you know a paragraph, and they're, they're they're not the paragraph probably is not going to be a full paragraph of someone else's work because that would be infringement. Right, it's probably just going to be three or four words here, 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 stuck <laughs> together, pieced together. Right, yep. exactly. So that's how AI. That's how it works. That's how the technology works. The same for artwork. You know, it, it's all. You know, if you want a picture of a, I want a picture of a dog. Yeah. You know, it doesn't doesn't like pull one picture back. It it pieces a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of dogs and puts it together, and you yep. come up with a you know, a, a dog, dog with so, five legs. Yeah, dog with five legs. Yeah. And and so, and and the Getty Image logo that did not get properly sifted out of some original yeah. piece of uh, uh, original photograph used to generate the new image. Sure, it could it could be. So. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it's all done behind the scenes. So there's really nothing. There's really nothing we can do to prevent that. Mm-hmm. That's all we can do is prevent. We can put in our contract that we don't want our files used for that purpose, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. If, if, but you know, we. I mean, the more important legal aspect for me is them using your actual files to create a, another voice to yeah. generate. You know, generate income somewhere, or, or you know, create. Mischief or, or, well, or someone else. The audiobook industry, the audiobook industry is the the one that is most under fire and most exposed right now. Because as as you were saying, with a number of these generative AI platforms, it literally only takes 90 seconds of a voice. And who is providing a a, a clearer, more well-pronounced, well-delivered read than an audiobook narrator? You can literally just take uh, two minutes or five minutes of an audiobook read, dump it into a generative AI platform, and this could be an audiobook that you bought yourself and right. feed it in there. Admittedly, you are, if in doing so, you are technically using that platform against its terms of service, which explicitly state you shall not use any recordings other than that of your own voice or someone under your legal purview. But that's that's what happened to me. That's what happened to an, another of my VO compatriots on YouTube. People will take this, will do this. And right. it, it, it's already happening. It has already right. happened past tense. Yes. And that's, that part's illegal. Yeah. Like I said, <clears throat> that's still illegal. So, and I, I'm not, I understand the worry that audiobook narrators have, but I think it's a little overplayed. Because yeah. think about it, Amazon spent thousands and millions and millions and trillions of dollars to create their own bank of voices. Right. They paid all these people for these contracts. So why would they? Why wouldn't they just go to Amazon 
why would they go to their audio book audible you know, mm-hmm. and just create voices that way like why wouldn't they have just done why would they pay all that money to create a bank right if they already if they already had the files so i don't think that i mean obviously it could happen for for some of the smaller companies some of the more unscrupulous companies and i but think the bigger that's, companies yeah, that's I don't, where we're I don't seeing think you it have to, yeah i don't think you have to worry about it from the big the big companies we're talking about the second third tier developers who honestly what they're doing is the same tech model that we've seen for the last 20 years which is wild west get in there work fast break stuff come up with something cool get bought out by somebody else right exactly yeah they're going to need to do it legally because this is clearly, I mean, if you yeah, because your, buying you somebody's voice, legal problems is not necessarily the strongest strategy for a giant tech company is buy right. somebody and then find out, wait, you did what? <laughs> so, you know, that, that I hope is working a little bit of uh, a little in our favor, right? Where do you, where do you see us as an industry? We're coming up on time here and I want to make sure that I respect yours. Where do you see us going as, you know, and I guess we're going to have to look at this as two industries. We're going to have to look at it as the industry of those players who are represented, who are, you know, in SAG-AFTRA or are, you know, aligned with NAVA and working at that level. And then also the independent level, the home VO workers who are probably not SAG-AFTRA and are doing all their contract work and their negotiations themselves. Where do you think we're headed as an industry and what are some of the simple steps that we can take to ensure that we're not going to regret the next couple of years? So I think I think that talent can embrace the technology because like you said, like the last 20 years, right? Like get in on the ground floor, they they you know, they make their money at it or set up their platform and get out get sold voice mm-hmm. talent can do the same kind of thing now like they can legally willingly partner up with a company to clone their voice right and then the they can the the companies that are legit are partnering up with talent cloning their voice paying a percentage mm-hmm. of, of future income that the voice the clone voice generates so you can have your clone voice work for you <laughs> while you're sleeping yeah you can stay outside of your booth and you're still working right you can do your pacific rim stuff without having to get up four o'clock in the morning Amen. Right? that sounds so, fantastic to me actually and, and get paid residuals right mm-hmm. so that that's one way that uh, voice talent can embrace the technology so you build a model to get paid on your uh your voice being used and then kind of build your financial model to subsist and live off of residuals instead of active rise and grind, hustle, VO, get in there, get the job done, all that business. Right. Yeah. Reese Peacher's hiring talent mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know, to, to create speeches that were done, to recreate, you know, create lectures, right. whatever they, whatever, whoever, you know, the client hires them and they have a sample of the vo- original sure. voice and then Reese Peacher will hire talent to go into the studio and record. That's, yeah, and it's that's a, a that's, that's a legitimate a use and a legitimate process. They're not that, being right. shifty about it at all. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. a way that they're hiring talent. You know, like traditionally, right? You know, the, the talent get paid pretty well for that as also. Mm-hmm. So, and then I just want to address the deep fake thing. Sure. So, Reese Beecher is legit. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, so I wouldn't. I, when I hear the term deep fake, I hear I, I think of it as illegal illegal activity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're, I mean, you're, fake. You're it's built a, into the word fake. Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. so it's it's a deep fake, but it's legal. It's a legal right. deep fake. Mm. <laughs> so 
know, instead of just like putting a fake Tom Cruise up on, TikTok. we need to come up with a neutral term that describes this phenomena. Deep, uh, a, a, a deep simulation, I guess, would be a more legitimate thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, because it's, it's a totally legitimate use and it's actually a great, uh, oh, it's, it's a, a great fascinating technology. technology. Yeah. Yeah. So it, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the very, very beginning. You know, there, this is one of the uses that AI is going to be, um, when it can, when it comes to voice talent and synthetic voices, but, uh, there, who knows where it's going to go. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's the big question is who knows where it's going to go. And right now we're all in this place of, we don't know where it's going to go. We just know it's going to go somewhere that we don't expect. And it's go- probably going to go a lot faster than we expected. Yeah. So, I mean, just to give general advice to talent, I already gave the legal advice right. that I protect yourself. General advice is just stay on top of this, educate yourself. Don't be scared. Like there's so many talent that are scared of it and they don't want to do anything to do with it, but they yeah. need to have something to do with it. Make themselves part of that technology because it is going to be another way to generate revenue in the future. Just like when the internet was created way back when, right? You know, like who? Oh, this is cool! I can send an email, <laughs> an electron, electronic mail through AOL. Wow, this is cool! Yeah, you know, who who thought that was going to lead to the primary way that you get your movies? Right now, right? You don't even go to yeah. the theaters for most of the movies; they're they're streamed. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's going to be the same thing with AI. It's going to be you know, the technology is going to it's good. There's going to be present opportunities along all along the way for talent to make, make money at it. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand that neither you nor I, nor most people who are really kind of with their ear down to the rail of this, we're not saying go back to wearing wooden shoes. We're not saying to go and burn down the flour mills. We're saying that you need to be proactive and aware and educated about something that, it's not that it's going to impact your path. This is shaping all our paths now. This right. is something that is currently happening. Do you want to be aware of its progress as we move into the future? Or do we want to do you want to be a year on going, well, I wish I'd have done that differently? You know, I it's it's the post and and pre-approach to your own career and your own progress in it. So how many people said that about the internet? Right. How many, how many people said, I wish I was Jeff Bezos and set up an Amazon.com. Like how mm-hmm. many people said that it's because they were like, Oh, the internet, this is not a, this is, this is just a fad. I, you know, I don't know. What it's not is. that good this. yet. It's not that significant an issue yet. And right. I've been standing here looking to the world, like my hair's on fire, which is kind of a complicated thing for me to say to people, <laughs> but you know, that's all I'm trying to get people to understand is that this isn't going to happen. This is a thing that is happening and right. you need to be paying attention. You don't need to be obsessed with it and you don't need to really abjectly fear it, but you can't be standing there with your eyes closed going, I hope this doesn't affect me. Well, so the thing, the thing is right. It's happening now is the visibility of it. Right. Because like it's the internet, been happening, the internet was out and it was visible from kind of from the beginning. So everyone saw it. Yeah. Internet, the, the AI has been out since, like I said, since 2016, when I did, even before that, when I did sure. the Bixby voice. Right. So it's been around for, this is now where we're actually just starting to see it, mm-hmm. but it's actually, it's almost at the end of the the technology. 
Like the technology, I'm sure it'll still evolve. Right. But the technology's gone a long way. In the last this this is the, this is the fruit of the last decades worth of development. And just because you don't hang out with a lot of nerds and engineers doesn't mean that it's not a thing. We're now seeing the fruits of their labor. Right. Exactly. Now, now it's starting to be implemented to the public. So mm-hmm. it's, it can't go away. It's been around. For, it, yeah. It's been, it, this has been 10 years where they've been working on this. It can't, it's not nobody, just going to go. Yeah, nobody should be surprised. Everybody's surprised, <laughs> right. but nobody should be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we need to figure out ways to work with it, make money from it and not try to defeat it because that that's, I mean, I understand that the wanted to defeat as, as a voice talent, but it, yeah, to me, it's kind of, you're just kind of a fool's errand. Yeah, it's a yeah. fool's errand. Well, Robert, I really deeply appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us both as a talent and as a bard attorney who really not only understands this, but has dealt with this in the real world already. And right. um, would you please do me a favor and once again, let people know where they can contact you and where they can find you and find the book and sure. all the other relevant dog and pony show elements. Yeah, absolutely. Um, best place to reach me for law is on my website, R-O-B-S-C-I-G-E-S-Q.com, robsigesk.com. <laughs> my acting site's robpaglia.com. Uh, you can get the book at either Amazon um, the Amazon edition, the Kindle edition, or you can go to uh, voiceoverlegal.com, which has the uh, paperback or the PDF version. Robert, thank you again so much for coming on the show and talking with us. Uh, and, you know, in the future, uh, if I got questions, I know who I'm coming to. And uh, I, I feel uh, a, a little bit of comfort knowing that, you know, me and my audience has heard from somebody, as I said, who actually has already started dealing with some of these AI issues, not only as Robert Schimpalia Esquire, but as Rob, the voice actor, who has has spent his time down in the trenches with us as well. But everybody, until next time, this is Andrew Scott. This is the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. This has been Booth to Booth. That is Robert Schimpalia. I am your host, Andrew, as I said, and we will see you in the booth, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. From the beautiful Pacific Northwest, this has been Booth to Booth with Andrew Scott. Booth to Booth is a narrowband broadcast network production in association with andrewscottmedia.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Our theme music was written and produced by Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Christopher Vacano, webmaster. Available at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott. Available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got topic ideas, questions, or comments for the show? Email us at patchin at boothtoboot.com or by simply clicking the link in the description. On behalf of host Andrew Scott, I'm Gwen Steele. From our booth to yours, thanks for joining us. See you next time on Booth to Booth. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.